Locked On Bears, your daily podcast on the Chicago Bears, part of the Locked On's podcast network. Welcome to the Locked On Bears podcast, where our listeners get the best daily lockdown coverage of their favorite team, the Chicago Bears. I'm your host, Arthur Arkish, senior editor at Pro Football Weekly and NFC North correspondent for USA Today Sports Weekly. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to Locked On Bears over at iTunes and let me know what you think in the ratings and comments section. While you're at it, Locked On NFL, Locked On Fantasy, and for the Chicago basketball enthusiasts, Locked On Bulls aren't to be missed. While I'm at it, it's time I start thanking our partners, FanRagSports.com, Today's Pigskin, and Today's FastBreak.com, and our newest partner, DraftBreakdown.com. After you have visited Pro Football Weekly to check out all my work and picked up your latest USA Today Sports Weekly, I would hope that you'll go check out our partner sites who are cranking out a ton of great content as well. All righty, how is everyone doing today? Thursday, September 8th. Hope everyone is doing well, of course. About to take in the, the first NFL action of the season. That is awesome. But before then, I'm going to help improve your day. I don't know if it needs it, but it's about to get even more awesome because... I have a very, very special guest joining the program, Lance Zerline, draft analyst, draft expert at NFL.com, also a radio host at Sports Talk 790 in Houston, was nice enough to join the program and break down Sunday's big game, Bears-Texans. Lance knows the entire league, but especially the Texans, and again, he is about to join the program right now. Lance, we all know what Rick Smith did in the offseason to first acquire his quarterback and then go to great lengths to surround him, obviously. Uh, but, but tell the listeners, what's Bill O'Brien done schematically that's made Brock look so good in the preseason anyway? First, do you agree with that assessment? And secondly, well, what's been happening? Yeah. I, I think he looked really good in the third game. I think in the second game he was okay in the first game. Mm-hmm. You know, frankly, I had some concerns. Um, Brock, I think, naturally is going to be more of a check-down quarterback, take the easy throw. And initially that concerned me, but then, you know, the more I thought about it, this is something that really Tom Brady has done a lot mm-hmm. in the past. If you think about he's made a living off of those little speed outs by Wes Welker and then Julian Edelman and the option routes there out of the slot. And, of course, if he wants to threaten down the field, he has Gronk to do that. But I think that uh, one of the things Bill O'Brien has done – is spread the field and make the reads easier uh, for his quarterbacks. And it's not just it's not just uh, Brock Osweiler. It was you know all four of his starters last year. You had T.J. Yates, Brandon Whedon, uh, Ryan Mallett, and Brian Hoyer. Those guys combined for 29 touchdowns and 12 interceptions. And they are definitely not world beaters. Right. The uh, the quarterbacks that I just mentioned. So I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that when you spread teams out a little bit. I think it's easier to get a feel for what they're doing defensively. And the second thing is it's easier for a quarterback to just read maybe one side of the field or, or to, to kind of tighten up and sharpen up their reads so they can get rid of the ball quickly. And the other thing is the threat of getting rid of the ball quickly, I think, can deter pass rushes and kind of help offensive lines. Um, frankly, I don't know that schematically there's anything Bill O'Brien's doing. I think what's going to really help Brock Osweiler is he's going to be throwing not only to DeAndre Hopkins, but Will Fuller, who has legitimate stretch the field speed, which also backs cornerbacks off and makes the underneath throws much easier. Um, a legitimate, you know, I think burgeoning threat from the, from the slot. And Braxton Miller, who I thought wouldn't really be much of a factor his, his rookie season yet, 
I do expect him to get a lot of snaps uh, against the Bears on Sunday uh, from the slot. And Nate Washington and, and Cecil Shorts, a couple of veterans, and there's nothing wrong with them. I thought they played pretty well when they had a chance. But this is just a more dynamic wide receiver group. It's faster. It's more dangerous. It's younger. And at the end of the day, I just think that uh, Brock Osweiler's life is going to be much easier because he's got a more impactful running back this year and in Lamar Miller as opposed to Alfred Blue. And he's got just faster, better weapons. Weapons, And you, you put a guy like Will Fuller opposite DeAndre Hopkins, you know, on paper, theoretically, it should make DeAndre Hopkins' job much easier as well. Yeah, I would think so. And obviously DeAndre Hopkins, not your typical deep threat per se, but more an intermediate guy and an after-the-catch guy. And, of course, Lamar Miller, too, I know is very good catching the football out of the backfield as well. So uh, it looks like they're not going to be short on weapons. When you, when you talk about DeAndre Hopkins, it actually strikes me uh, it, it's kind of interesting. I know he's not quite as big as Alshon, but how do you kind of size up their game side by side? It seems like there's a lot of similarities in the way they win. I think there, I think there are um, both of those guys, you know, were vertical threats in college, but not because they, you know, not the same kind of Will Fuller vertical threat, right. um, not the four three five, you know, both both Alshon and and uh, and DeAndre Hopkins were threats in college, and I would say as well as pros for two reasons, and I think you're pretty astute in mentioning the similarities. Number one, I think first and foremost. They are terrific ball winners. When the ball is up in the air, those guys turn 50-50 balls in their favor because of their height or their leaping ability. You know, for Alshon Jeffrey, it's his size, body type, height, length. And then he's, he's always been great at high-pointing a football and having a good feel for when to jump and timing his jump. For DeAndre Hopkins, he has amazing hands. Amazing hands, high-point ability, ball-tracking skills. And so what happens when you, you, know, when you, when you, when you put all those things together – you have two big guys who can win vertically because mm-hmm. of their size, ball tracking, and then ball winning skills at the high point. And that's why you don't have to be a 4-3 player to be a, 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 a dangerous vertical threat. You have to have good hands. You have to be able to go get it up top. And both those guys can do that. And so I think they're similar in that regard. Now, DeAndre, to me, is a much more polished route runner, and I think he's I think there's more layers to his game, and that's and that has really developed. Um, I think it, it helped working with Andre Johnson when he was a rookie. Right. So I think that definitely helped his game. But he's developed as a wide receiver. For Alshon, because of all the time he missed last year, you know, I'm interested to see how he plays this year and if he's still the same kind of wide receiver he was his first year with the Bears or if he's going to start to add different levels to his game. Because the one thing he's going to need to do my estimation that Hopkins has already done is become a more complete wide receiver. Mm-hmm. And, and we'll see if he does that. You know, we'll see if he becomes that complete wide receiver. Uh, he may not have to. I mean, if the Bears just want him to be a certain kind of wide receiver, then he can be that, and you try to win games like that. But in terms of individual accolades and, and recognition amongst the best wide receivers in the game, I think one, that's one of the things Alshon has to do is prove that he can win on all three levels and, you know, and not just kind of the – the deep intermediates and the deep balls. Okay, that's fascinating stuff. And much like DeAndre Hopkins, obviously it's all in front of Alshon in a contract year, so shouldn't be on you know short on motivation to kind of round out that game. Let me ask you, Lance, because it sounds like uh, the, the sky is the limit for the skill position guys, all, a lot of them new for the Texans. Is the offensive line the biggest concern, at least early in the season? And, and can Eddie Goldman potentially make for a long first NFL start for Greg Mance? Oh, I think without question. I mean, Goldman's such a... 
he's so powerful at the point of attack. And Greg Mance's biggest weakness, I think, is going to be his strength. You know, I, I don't think he's very strong at the point of attack. He's more of a technician. But when you're going up against kind of a, a guy who can either rip into the gap or two-gap you like Eddie Goldman can, I think that's going to be a big problem for Greg Manson in the interior. The Texans just have to really try to neutralize and, 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 and get as many stalemates as they can and limit penetration. The, the big difference is Lamar Miller can gain his own yards through creativity and elusiveness. and mm-hmm. you know, He can shake those, those, those darters into the backfield. He can shake them and still create yardage, but I just I think it's a physical mismatch in some ways between Goldman and, and Mance, and so what the Texans have to do is make sure that their game plan and their play calling doesn't re- require a lot of head-to-head, one-on-one battles. And I think they know that. They know that Goldman's bigger and he's stronger and he's more talented. And so I don't expect the Texans really to put Greg Mance in a situation where you know he's just got a single – he's got a single um, Goldman because it's, it's just, it's automatically a difficult uh, task that he will lose more times than he'll win. As far as the offensive line being an issue <clears throat> without question, your left tackle will be swing tackle journeyman, Chris Clark, who's not bad, mm-hmm. but he's just kind of a guy. Um, your right tackle, I would imagine is going to be Derek Newton starting, but he has not played the entire preseason. So, you know, he's just getting back from injury. So, and if he doesn't start, he is going to play, and Kendall Lamb, who was an undrafted free uh, in 2015, would be the starter at right tackle. So regardless, I think you're going to have an average left tackle. You're going to have a right tackle who doesn't have much experience in this preseason because of injury. And then Xavier Suofilo is not a very good pass blocker at uh, left guard. Greg Mance is undersized. We covered that. And then right, right guard Jeff Allen is, you know, he's solid, solid NFL player. So I, I think he'll, he'll do his job. It's interesting, Lance, because and I'm not pretending the Bears are uh, even a playoff contender, much less a potential Super Bowl contender like Houston. But some of the other similarities, the Bears will also have a, a rookie center likely making his first NFL start in Cody Whitehair. And while certainly Vince Wilfork has been around the block uh, quite a few more times than Eddie Goldman, I'd imagine uh, Whitehair will also have his hands full. What do you think? Uh, I'm going to selfishly ask you a draft question, too, just because I know you studied him closely. Uh, didn't get to see Whitehair at the pivot, obviously, at Kansas State. What do you think about his uh, potential as he transitions inside and between long and sitting. Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of um, I'm a big fan of Cody Whitehairs, but you know I watched him as a left tackle when I had to project him as a guard. Right. His biggest issue is that he's he doesn't have very long arms, and so you think well he's on the inside, so that shouldn't matter. But let me tell you, the NFL on offensive line is all about and offensive and defensive lines. It's about who gets the hands on first because. Mm-hmm. Those guys a lot of times will control the rep. And so while Cody Whitehair has incredible hand strength and just vice grips for hands and great body control, there's so many things I like about him, and I do think he could be a good NFL center. I think this may be his best position. The problem for him is going to be, you know, and, and Vince Wilfork with his age is not the same player, but his problem is going to be whether he's dealing with DJ Reader or Vince Wilfork mm-hmm. or whoever there on the nose or shade nose, however they run it is he's got to be quick with those hands and playing he's played guard he's played tackle and so I'm sure he already knows this but it takes a lot longer you know you've got a lot more time after a snap as a tackle to get your hands ready and shoot your punch as a guard or as a center I mean it's going to be more instant and so losing the battle of hands hand placement quickly could be a disastrous 
could, could add disastrous to strong. It could it could really have a a very negative impact on the Bears' potential to run the football. So while Vince Wolfork isn't the same guy, he's still big enough, good enough, and and still athletic enough to to cause some problems if he's winning with his hands early on against Whitehair. Spending a few more minutes chatting here with Lance Zerline, of course, the NFL draft analyst at NFL.com, excuse me, college draft analyst, and also host at Sports Talk 790 in Houston. Lance, what do you think about the way that Romeo Cornell will try and attack this Bears uh, unit, one that, again, has a lot of changes on the offensive line and uh, just kind of a lot of uncertainty? There's been a lot of change throughout the offseason. Yeah, you know, I think he'll try to – I think he'll just try to win with, with his base defense. Mm-hmm. Um the Bears are going to have to prove Josh Sitton's new inside, obviously, so there's going to be a, an adjustment period. Cody Whitehair's new at the position. Long, I know, had some injury issues, and then you're still trying to get your tackles to play at a high level. So I don't really think, you know, there, there's going to be some blitzes, but I think it will really be more sending five. And Some people don't really consider that a blitz. Right. Um, J.J. Watt will be back. I do expect him to play. But Whitney Merciless has really come a long way, and – they can kind of move him around the formations. I think with the ability to play Clowney um, outside, and, and you won't see him stand up, I don't think, at all. He's more of a hand-in-the-ground type player. But the Texans can decide to bring Clowney in on just third downs, and I, I don't think Clowney will be a full-time guy. I think he's going to be more situational, which will keep him fresher. And he has become, boy, when he's healthy, he can be a real problem with his bull rush and pass rush. And, and the bottom line is, with Whitney Merciless, J.J. Watt, a healthy J.J. Watt, and um, Jadavian Clowney on the field at the same time, it's going to be extremely difficult for any offensive line to handle them, except J.J. is going to be obviously very – one would think he'd be very rusty. Right. And then Clowney, you never know what his health is going to be from game to game. So um, fortunately for the Bears, they're catching J.J. Watt when he's just trying to shake the rust off. Unfortunately, they're catching Clowney early when he should be healthy. So I think the Bears are going to really – really have some problems with that Texans front, especially if they have trouble protecting Cutler and running the football uh, without the Texans having to bring five and six. If the Texans can rush four and get after Cutler, I mean, that's really, really going to be bad news for Jay. (laughs) Yeah, that's kind of actually what I'm sort of envisioning. It will be interesting. Lance, we've talked about some of the star power on the defense, obviously, with Wad and Clowney and Merciless. Uh, I'm really excited to see a couple of these second-year guys and Kevin Johnson and Bernardrick McKinney. What do you think uh, of their upside in year two? And and what's the plan for Kevin Johnson? He comes in on the outside when Kareem goes in in the nickel. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah, the Texans... Texans are doing something a little different that other teams are starting to do as well. Um, more and more teams, because they run out of those 11 personnel groupings of three wide receiver sets, mm-hmm. what teams like to do is is run a three wide receiver set at a defense. And the old school way was where you put your 5'9", five, 5'9 nine, five, nine 185-pound quick cornerback in, you know, in the slot. What right. teams started doing was running at that guy and beating him up with big wide receivers, and it was causing mismatches in the running game. So – what the Texans are doing, what some other teams are doing, is putting a good tackler in a more physical corner on the inside now, not worrying about the speed and quickness, but saying, hey, let's, let's go get a good tackler and a good run support corner, put him on the slot, and we'll put um, you know, a good cover guy outside, and we're not going you know, we're, we're to let teams run at us with 11 personnel, the three wide receiver sets. So I think mm-hmm. that's one of the reasons that they use cream inside. Kevin Johnson really had some good moments last year. He's incredibly aggressive. Uh, very competitive against the run. 
uh, um, is has a quick click and close athleticism and twitch. So, you know, in terms of his ability to, to, to cover and man coverage, uh, he struggled a little bit at the end of the year as a rookie, but I don't, I haven't seen those same struggles in the preseason. So I think the Texans are in really good shape there. And I think Kevin Johnson is headed uh, for a good career if he can maintain his health. I mean, he's physical, but sometimes when guys who are a little bit light, you know, a little bit lighter weight and don't have the, the big frames, sometimes that physical, that physical style can cause some injury issues. So, We'll see how that plays out. And then Bernardrick McKinney is just he's just a he's really a two down thumper. Okay. He's probably going to be on the field more than he should. And there are issues with him matching up in coverage against against teams who throw the ball um and, and try to match up linebackers. So there's no question. I'm sure the Bears have seen that on tape. He's had some issues in rut he's looked slower than last year, kind of plotting. But he is a thumper between the tackles, but I'm not sure that he's going to be a very dynamic NFL linebacker. I think he's going to be more of a, a banger who has to come off the field against passing teams or in passing situations. So that's kind of where I think I think Brian Cushing will play a bigger role against the Bears than maybe Bernardrick McKinney. Interesting. And Lance, just on the way out, and we thank Lance Zerline again for his time. I do want to get a prediction, but because I asked you about maybe the weakness or the biggest concern on the offense, and, and you said it's definitely the offensive line, uh, with all the with all the household names on this defense, maybe the one area where they don't where they're not any is at safety. We've talked about the trouble Cutler maybe will have in t- in terms of timing getting into that secondary, but is that the weakness of the defense for Romeo? Is it the safeties, and is there any chance to get over the top of them at all? Yeah, I think there's a chance, but I got to tell you, one of the more one of the best kept secrets of the Texans right now is Andre Howell, okay, um, who was a late round pick from I think it's Vanderbilt, mm-hmm. and Andre Howell, whew, he was a cornerback who was an undersized cornerback a little bit. Well, he's had average size, and they moved him to safety, and I thought, well, he's just not going to be physical enough to play safety. And look, he's a willing tackler. He's not a great tackler. He's not the biggest guy. But his ball skills and his instincts have been tremendous, and he is all around the ball at all times. And he's really been a fine for the Texans moving him from corner to safety. Quentin Demps is more of a garden variety safety. There's nothing special about him, and and he can't get beat. He gets sucked up on on double moves sometimes. But Andre Howe, I think, has really stabilized the safety position. When they put him back there last year after their horrific uh, start in, in the in the and Raheem Moore, who ended up right. being, you know, just a bust as a free agent. Andre Howe really helped stabilize that defense, and I think everyone was shocked about that. But ball skills, he's in the right place. He can make plays on the ball, and he's got the instincts to, you know, put himself in position to make those plays. That position is not as big a weakness as it once was. Uh, you can still strike it at that position, but I don't think that it's as big a weakness as it used to be. Okay, great, great stuff from Lance Zerline of NFL.com and 790 Sports Talk in Houston. Lance, I'll put you on the spot. It's okay if you haven't worked up a prediction yet, but how do you you see Sunday unfolding? Well, I mean, I just think with the Bears' injury issues, um, I don't know. With McPhee out, I'm not sure they're going to be able to get after the quarterback as much as they need to. Obviously, could be a substantially different pass rush unit by the end of the year as opposed to the beginning of the year. Um, I just think they're catching the Texans at a bad time. Texans are healthy on defense now. They're getting healthier on offense, on the offensive line. Uh, I don't think they're going to be a – you know, I, I, I don't think things are going to go quite as swimmingly for them when the bullets start flying. I do think they can put up 24 at home, maybe not the, 
you know, the great offensive output like they had against Arizona in game three of the preseason. But to me, I just, I think Jay Cutler and the Bears are really going to struggle offensively. And I, I. Okay, so I cut off Lance's Bears side of the prediction because I was trying to avoid the awkward finish that I was responsible for in that what was really an awesome interview, I thought, with Lance and one of the most uh, informative Bears-Texans previews, if not the best you're going to find anywhere. So thank you again to Lance. He likes the Texans 24-10. Said the Bears offense is really going to struggle. I apologize for cutting him off, but uh, not for bringing you that awesome interview. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. That's going to do it for the Thursday edition of the Locked On Bears podcast. Please make sure you are right back here tomorrow. I'll give you my prediction, and we'll have uh, lots of other good Fun stuff in store as always. So thank you again so much for being with us today on the Locked On Bears podcast and enjoy the football game tonight.